Today we're joined by Steady On, a developer of many successful games on the Roblox platform, who most recently has launched his Roblox game tracking service, R-Track. My name's Alvin Blocks and I'm your guest host for this episode, so let's go Beyond the Blocks. Hello and welcome back to Beyond the Blocks, the podcast all about the Roblox platform and game development. I'm Alvin Blocks and I'll be standing in for Bantech today. And on this episode, we're joined by Steadyon, who you may know from games such as Clueless, Bakery Tycoon, or even his latest project, R-Track. He is also known for posting scripting and development tutorial videos on his YouTube channel. So hi Steady and welcome to the podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. So let's get straight into it then. Let's talk about your Roblox career so far. So how did you first find out about Roblox? So I was probably about 10 or 11 years old. It's like nine years ago now, I think. Um, and I was on some Flash game website, I think probably like Miniclip or something. Mm -hmm. And I just saw like a, an advert for Roblox on the side of the screen. Thought it'd be cool to check it out. I think it said it was like a free games platform. Uh, and since I was already into Flash games, which is kind of like lots of different games you can play on one website. I thought it'd be a cool thing to check out. And then kind of just went from there, like didn't stop playing Roblox, <laughs> still haven't. You'd never quit. Never quit, exactly. Well, I had the one, I, everyone quit at one point, right? For like a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never, never coming back again. <laughs> yeah, I've had enough. And then a week later, I'm like, okay. I'm back. I was just joking. <laughs> I was just joking, I'm back again, guys. And then you realized that you accidentally gave away all of your items. Because <laughs> you were never coming back. Yeah. So when you did join, what did you do in your early years? Were you developing straight away or were you just more of like a player? What did you get up to? Uh, no, I think like most developers, I started as a player and I didn't start developing for at least probably three or four years. Uh, I was just at, the, at that time, uh, Roblox was sort of dominated by role play groups and uh, it was, there was a lot of like clan culture and stuff so you'd have groups role playing as like real life nations or uh there was stuff like uh scp clans or like sci-fi oriented things like star wars and things like that um and people would role play communities so this was around 2012 2013 right yeah yeah about that time probably yeah where and when did your development career really kick off and, and start so those Roblox like uh, role play groups I was in, mm -hmm. they all had like a like a main hub place uh, for the for the group. So everyone would hang out in one game uh, or a couple of games. You'd usually have for Roblox Nations as they were called or Row Nations. You would have uh, like a city that's the real life city of the country. So for Cuba it was Havana. We also had like a fort place, so the place people would invade. You had like fake wars, right? You could be a part of the military. <laughs> and roleplay as a soldier and have fake wars and stuff like that. Anyway, those games needed um, to be developed by someone, and uh, the person who originally made them, who actually owned the group, had left uh, had left Roblox at, at one point. For a week. <laughs> no, I think he actually left for good. I don't think I've ever seen him again. Yeah, he had something to do with college or something. He didn't really want to focus on it, because also back then there was no DevX, so everything everyone was doing was just for Robux. Yeah, just a, just like a hobby. Yeah, it was just for just for fun or the passion of it, uh, showing it off to your friends. It was also like a very different attitude to development. Like everyone made games or everyone had open studio pretty much because it was much more of like a you're a player and a developer thing at the start, which is completely different to now, obviously, where most people just play games. So since there was no one developing those games, people... Um, it, I was quite high up in the group at this point, just to flex that. Um, <laughs> and... A lot of the like higher ups started to um, try and develop stuff in the games because you know we wanted to, to add things and change things and and make the game more fun or maybe we introduced some new government department or something and needed a different uh, building for it. So we kind of all just started playing around. Like I think most people didn't really know what they were doing to start with. None of us knew how to code either, so we just sort of took uh, free models from the toolbox. Uh, obviously that time i didn't really see it as development i just sort of saw it as having fun building with with people online 
And then a couple of years after that, I realized like free models aren't really that good. I think at this point, there was a lot of stuff to do with put people putting viruses and like backdoors in, in free models. Um, so you'd put a model in your game and then everyone who joined the game just like was instantly kicked or something. <laughs> and then we'd spend hours looking for whatever it was that was kicking everyone from the game. Uh, and also they usually, a lot of them didn't work either, like stuff started breaking. So I decided I had to learn how to code as well. In the beginning, I just sort of took free models that we uh, were, were using and I took other free models that from the from the toolbox and I just sort of cut code out of some of them and stuck them in another one or, you know, take take one function out of one script and then stick it in another one and, and hopefully it did what I was wanting it to do. And just sort of over a long time of doing that, finally ended up writing my own scripts because piecing other people's scripts together doesn't really uh, work in every scenario. There's a lot of stuff I, I wanted to do that I couldn't do just by sticking other people's code together. So really, I had to learn to code myself. Yeah, I think free models are great for, you know, when you're starting off. I think they're one of the best ways that you can actually learn about you know, scripting and getting into game development. You can see all the stuff on the wiki and you can see all the different APIs and things, but they're all just individual uh, functions and, and, and events and things. They're not really tied together in any way. When you take a, some code that's already been written, especially something that's packaged up as a, as a free model to do a specific thing, you can see exactly how they managed to do it and exactly what APIs they use and how they what those APIs do. Um, I mean, there's also some stuff like random bugs and things that, you, that aren't documented on the wiki, but you might find it out through a free model. Yeah. And just for anyone that is listening to this and isn't sure of what the Roblox wiki actually was, it was it's similar to the developer hub that we have today, but there wasn't as much documentation on there or, or help as there is today. So although it was good for those that were trying to get into scripting and game development, and there were a few community contributed um, like resources to get people in, there wasn't a full amount of documentation or help to to guide you to becoming a full Roblox developer as as you can today. It also wasn't so, like, there wasn't such a line drawn between players and developers. It's kind of, because obviously right at the beginning of Roblox, you could you could build uh, in a game, in games with your friends. Like, you can make a place and then invite your friends to play with you, and then you could just edit the game in, in real time in the game. You could, like, place objects down, edit terrain and stuff, and then you'd leave the game and come back again, and all your edits would still be there. So you didn't even use Roblox Studio a lot to start with. Yeah. So it kind of transitioned from that to everyone developing games in Roblox Studio, but it was still the same players who were there at the beginning building with their friends. So everyone uh, was kind of both a developer and a player, or most people were uh, familiar with Roblox Studio at least. Now you have a smaller minority, well, a very small minority if you compare it to the amount of uh, Roblox players there are that, that are developing the, these games. So... When you started out creating games on the platform, when when was that? Well, my first proper game release was uh, in early 2017, but uh, I was experimenting around in studio on my own for two, probably two years before that, and obviously I was doing all the, the Roblox Nation stuff for uh, probably since about 2014 time, 2013, 2014. So I was using studio from about 2014 but the first time i released a fully made game that people could play was in 2017 um i would say for anyone wanting to to learn to make games on roblox especially now when when all the games are so well made like there's so there's so much content in the games now um and they're very complicated to make as well i mean most of the games on the front page i would have trouble making them myself definitely because there's, there's a there's whole teams making those games right um so if you want to get into development now, and I think this has been the case pretty much for the whole of Roblox's history, actually, um, you shouldn't jump straight into making a game because it's sort of like setting yourself up to fail. Um, you should really experiment around. Definitely. And like you said earlier, you wanted to learn the, the scripting because how it would help your clan, not because you mm. wanted to make you know, a, a hugely successful or popular game. Yeah, exactly. You know, it, or for like financial game, uh, etc. So if you're an upcoming developer, then learn scripting because you want to, you know, because you want to make cool things and don't just jump straight into a project because 
you will encounter bugs along the way you will have to deal with things such as data stores going down once you've launched your game you're going to have you know people reporting bugs and you have to have the the problem solving skills and the ability to to solve those problems so you need to know how everything works so just launching into a big project say for example you want to create a fps game like phantom forces um isn't the way to do it you need to just start small and build your way up i mean even with two or three years of coding on on roblox when i launched my first game uh and i I took it out of alpha it was i I got a lot of players i I, I hit the front page actually with twenty thousand concurrent um but there was so much broken with it even after uh having all that experience that game still had a lot of bugs like it was supposed to save and stuff but it just didn't (laughs) so people would play the game as a tycoon game and they'd come back and their their plot was empty um and people would there was another thing where like half the people who joined the game they would join in there and their entire plot would just not exist like they couldn't build anything um there were loads of quite big bugs with the game and i couldn't really you know i was very i was panicking trying to fix them all in the limited time i had because it was already already had so many players and you and you have to try and keep it on the front page by fixing those bugs i mean uh, i didn't really manage to do that it came off the front page uh, i think the next day uh, i don't really know how it even managed to stay on there with with half the players not even be able to play it but um definitely make sure you test your game for everything uh, every single tiny scenario and when people report bugs as well it's very easy to just go. Oh, I'll I'll figure it out later, or uh, it doesn't seem like that big of a thing. I'll just I'll just do do. I'll just fix it if it becomes a big problem or something. Um, but make sure you know you can't really do that. Make sure you do fix those bugs early on because they will come back um, to to bite you <laughs> later on when you release it properly. Because the thing is about Roblox as well is games can just take off. That's one of the great things about the platform. You know, someone might play your game on YouTube or something, and you might suddenly just get thousands of players from a very small number, like 10 or 20 or something. And if you haven't fully tested it, then those thousands of players are going to join. And if there's something wrong with the game, they'll leave. So it's very important to keep the players when they come. And often you can't predict when that is going to happen. Obviously, you might want somebody to play your game, but they'll play it at the wrong time, just when you didn't want them to. Um, And that can be when you've just released it and there are a load of bugs but you're you're talking about your first game right uh bakery tycoon yeah yeah bakery tycoon so although you had those problems in the beginning uh when you had what was it twenty thousand concurrent players yeah (laughs) yeah you, you 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 overcame them and you managed to fix them in the end and if i'm right bakery tycoon has 10 million plays right now as of uh, as of today as of recording uh yeah 10 million plays so definitely a successful game and pretty good for for your first release as well so well done on that was there anything that you preferred about roblox the platform maybe developing on there back then to how it is now um i think for the most part roblox is a much uh, better platform than it was uh, then in terms of just uh, the, the limitations of the platform. There were a lot of limitations then. They've done a lot of stuff for performance um, and introducing like new lighting systems, new physics system, uh, just lots of new APIs and things. Uh, the game quality is so much better than it was back then as well. Um, the one thing I would say is that nowadays you go on the, the games page and the top games are all um they sort of push push monetization very hard like you play the game and uh you could instantly buy something for robux right i mean i'm not saying something wrong with that but it's uh it's it's in contrast to what it used to be like i mean there are a lot of old games you can still play where there's very little monetization in them um and they're, they're very fun games as well um but you know of course games have also got a lot more complicated to make they require a lot more resources a lot more time as i said before a lot of the big games on the top of Roblox have massive teams of people working on them. Um, I know Dreamcraft now has about 18 uh, staff members for Adopt Me, so you know they need to uh, they need to pay for all that somehow. So they obviously have to monetize their games. Uh, and and back then games were a lot less complicated. So you know there are, there are things I miss about about old Roblox, but it's definitely been a big step forward 
uh, not not a step back overall. Definitely, I can remember how they there were games on the on the platform when when I started out in in 2011, and I'm sure even before that as well that that they weren't updated as often as they are now. You know, games that you see on the on the front page nowadays, they they're getting updates every couple of days, every week. Um, very, very, very frequent updates with with new content. But the the older games that the people used to play, and people would play these games, you know, time after time. They wouldn't get bored of them. They they didn't have there there wasn't such thing as as updates. Um, you, you'd have games such as say paintball or you know um, what are my drawing games, and they would never get updated. They probably have never had an update since the the developer first published them but they were they were still fun and they seemed to keep players playing and what i liked about that was how you know you you wouldn't have to be waiting on the on the at, from a development point here you wouldn't always have to be thinking about well are people going to get bored of this are they going to start you know um are they just going to not play my game anymore unless i update it and and like the stress on developers it seemed like you know these games were just good in that they didn't have to be updated all the time and they never got boring basically yeah and there was a lot less pressure to make something that the the sort of like the masses liked it was just what you wanted to make yourself like what you enjoyed creating and also i think a lot of the reason games weren't updated then is because there was a lot less opportunity for making enough money to sustain yourself off roblox everyone had real life things they had to be doing like education and things i remember a lot of developers um quite big with qu- quite big games at the time i mean we're only talking like two three thousand concurrent actually at, at this at the sort of time i'm thinking of um but they'd have to stop developing on their projects because they had to because they had to work uh, they had some exams for school or something or they were spending too long on on roblox making no money at all often um i mean a lot of games even when DevX existed and there were and there were game passes and developer products. A lot of people would make games and just have no game passes and no developer products just because they just enjoyed making games so much. Um, and then they would have to leave the platform or take a, a very long time off, a few years often, um, because they couldn't develop games and sustain them themselves in real life. They were have they were, you know they were facing there are a lot of people who were facing money problems because of how much time they were spending on Roblox. So it's definitely. A big positive that games can make enough money to 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 pay for uh, the upkeep of the developers of the games, and people aren't having to leave the platform because they can't sustain themselves from their games anymore. For sure, yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely a positive now that we have you know DevX and um, the monetization in games. Although you know some of the games there might be some excessive monetization overall for the platform. I think it definitely has been um, a change for for the better. You've also gone on to create more games, mm-hmm. Clueless. Let's talk about that. So, just for those that don't know what Clueless is, just give them a brief introduction. So it's like a quiz game, um, but with a with a twist is how I is how I put it. After you answer a question on on some general knowledge thing, or might be like some science question or history question, you get to play a mini game if you answer the question correctly. And then, I mean, that's pretty much the whole game, actually. So it's interesting, like type of game because you're mixing quiz with mini games, which are both successful genres on Roblox. But how long after Bakery Tycoon was it that you started development on Clueless? Oh, it was quite a while actually. I think it was uh, about a year after after I finished after I released Bakery Tycoon that I started working on Clueless. Um, the other thing is actually when I first made it, it was just sort of like a test game. I just wanted to see whether or not I can make a quiz. So I made like a really small map uh, and there were only about 30 questions in the game or something and the entire game was just a, just a quiz. So it was it's kind of like a, the would, would You Rather games. Uh, there's a very popular Would You Rather game, I can't remember, I don't know who made it. Um, but it was basically exactly the same as that. And I sort of very quickly realized that people will play it for a few minutes if you send them the link to it or something, but people don't really want to play quiz games uh they come on roblox to, to play something fun um they don't really want to be learning or like stuff they're doing at school of course they don't they just come home from school they don't want to do even even more so actually this is a 
it was Nako 88's idea to add mini games. Well, I think he uh, at first he said I should add sword fighting to the game. So originally there was only one game mode, so you'd answer the questions, and then if you get them right, then you'd sword fight the other players, um, which was kind of a weird thing. But immediately after doing that, it already had much longer play times. Uh, it picked up more players as well. It was actually over about the course of about four or five months that I that I did this because I just left the game for a while while I was working on other projects that, that actually never got released. And then obviously Nako had this this great idea of adding sword fighting. So I did it. Um, and as there was more interest in the game, it kind of just went from there. And I started adding mini games, other mini games aside from sword fighting, currency systems, the cosmetics like in the store and crates and things. I mean, I actually spent a very long time on Clueless, developing Clueless. I only, I actually made Bakery Tycoon in about a month and a few days, oh, sorry, a week and a few days. Um, but Clueless, I spent probably more than eight or nine months just constantly developing it. So it has a lot of features. It has about 30,000 lines of code, actually, Clueless. So again, when you were creating Clueless, you didn't expect it to, you know, become the big game that it is today when you were just having like a side project with a couple questions in the game, you know, uh, if it wasn't for NACO 88, you wouldn't have added your, your mini games to it and it wouldn't have become the game it is today. So again, you were just working on a project to try and better your, your scripting and your Roblox development, right? Yeah, exactly. I think it's definitely the best way to, to, to start making a game. I, I think it's quite a similar thing with Bakery Tycoon, actually in that I liked playing Tycoon games myself. I, I played a lot of button tycoons and stuff, and I thought, I want to try, try making one myself. So I made the tycoon system to be able to build stuff, and I, th- I came up with a, something different, which was that instead of you just touching something to make money, a truck comes and collects stuff you've created at the bakery and gives you uh, money and game for it. Um, and I just sort of built the game around creating that system, but I wasn't expecting really to make a game to start with, so it developed into one. And it was quite a similar thing with Clueless in that um, I just kind of wanted to experiment and see whether people would like a quiz game, whether people would want to play one. Um, and I kind of abandoned the project because I thought it was a, it was hopeless because uh, everyone stopped playing it. Like, you'd occasionally get two or three players, um, maybe like once a week or something, and then they would stop playing. So it was really a completely dead game to start with for a, for a few months. I mean, now it has most of the time about 60 or 70 players. So it's quite a big difference compared to then. So with Clueless, I just made something to, to mess around and see what the reaction would be from, from people. And then it just developed into a, something bigger than that. All right. So I think something that we've taken from this section is that if you are a upcoming developer and you, you want to create a successful game, don't just go after a big idea which you have and just start out with small projects and don't expect them to do well and don't put the strain of trying to become successful on you so early on. Just create projects and just try and better your own knowledge at scripting and problem solving and then you can use what you've learnt from that to create a successful game in the future. Now what we're going to talk about is your journey through creating these games. So throughout your development career, I'm sure you've had challenges that you've faced along the way. We've already spoken about uh, learning to script and become a developer and how you you have become the successful developer. But what about the challenges that you have faced during the uh, development of, of these games? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, developing games... There's a lot of stuff that's very fun about them, and there's also um, a lot of frustrating uh, moments, or actually a lot of frustrating hours that you spend trying to fix things and or making something you don't really enjoy doing. I think that's one of the biggest contrasts between just kind of experimenting with the platform and when you finally start making a, a full game. Um, when you're just experimenting around, you can just do the stuff you like doing. I mean, you don't have to link things together. You don't have to fi- really fix any bugs. Um, it's just you messing around, maybe a few of your friends. But once you start making games that millions of people or tens of thousands, maybe just you know tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people will play, um, then you really have to start, you know, trawling through 
tens of thousands of lines of code to try and find what's causing some very s small bug, really, but it's affecting, it's still going to be affecting tens of thousands of people when they play your game. And that's obviously a lot of work. It's a big, it's a big responsibility. Um, you, have to, you have to be disciplined to be able to get over these things. Yeah, sometimes you just sort of feel like saying, oh, well, I'll just, uh, I, I, you know, you sometimes feel like just abandoning projects because of how much um, work there is to do that you're not really going to enjoy doing. It's still definitely a very enjoyable job to have um, making games on Roblox. It's definitely something I still enjoy. And I don't think I'd be, I'd rather be doing anything, anything else, to be honest. There's been a, a few failed projects I've had as well. And I would say actually the main failed projects I've had are when I tried to deviate from just the games I wanted to make myself. When there was the whole sort of simulator boom, which is still going on now, I remember I tried to make a, a clicking simulator game and then I uh, later on tried to make like a lifting simulator game because they were the things that were making uh, all the money. They were the things that were attracting all the players. But I didn't really like playing those games. Um, I didn't really enjoy developing them either. And both of those games just flopped, right? Like they, they got, you know, a few tens of thousands of, uh, of visits, but that's with quite heavy advertising. I think I lost money on both of them. And it's just goes to show, at least for me, if you try and just make something because everyone else is doing it, um, it's, it's not going to be as well made or, or as, uh, they're not going to put as much effort into it as something you really, you really care about. Mostly it's a very satisfying, fulfilling and, and, often fun experience to do but there are moments of uh frustration and um stress and also there is a lot of hard work involved you know and if you are a solo developer then it is going to be a a much bigger stress on your shoulders if you're yeah. you know maintaining a, a game or you've just released it that's got a load of bugs but there are there are some bugs that you just cannot find or work out until you release the game and have it live with thousands of, of people playing it. Yeah, I mean, that's also another thing about making sure you know what you're doing before you make a, a game that could do very well, because one of the main things that usually goes wrong is, is problems with scaling. So you might make something and it seems to work fine with your with your testers. So you have like, you know, 10, 20 people testing your game, um, probably in a best case scenario. Um, but when you have you know, thousands of, or tens of thousands of people playing your game, maybe something you've done with, with data stores, or if you have large play servers, for example, um, if you've only played with a few people in a play server, then maybe something you've coded ends up overloading the server if there's lots of people playing, or if there's lots of people playing the game as a whole, maybe the way that you're storing data means that, that there's, there's data loss and stuff like that is very hard to identify uh, during testing stage. And usually you, you encounter it once you've released your game to the public and you sort of have to frantically fix those, those bugs. Definitely. And I think also it's a really good idea to get connected with other people as well, other developers, and also have like a community of testers who are willing to um, quality assurance test your game for any yeah. bugs. If you you know, if you are thinking about releasing your game and you haven't done that yet, then definitely get a team on hand that can test your game whenever you need them to, um, just to find those bugs that, you know, if you do release your game and you realize that there's a bug, then maybe you're, if you had a, a QA team or just some people that could have gone in before you released and found those bugs, you wouldn't have had to have deal with them uh, when you released the game. Yeah, and uh, if you're having, you know, if you if you maybe you're a small developer or just starting out and you don't have access to to stuff like that, I know there's a QA team Discord server that you can request testing from. But also something that's very good is is putting your game in paid access alpha. So uh, all of the games I've released, I've put them in paid access alpha before I release them publicly. Um, and what it does is it means that you restrict the number of players you can play it while it's in early stages of development. You can give them something like a, a prize at the end. So usually you give alpha testers some item in the game or a tag in chat to say that they helped support the game by testing it while it was in alpha. And obviously the fact that they have to pay for the game means that you won't get a huge number of players suddenly playing. It's much more of a gradual uh, increase to, to a lot of players. And also pay, paying for access to games and it being a sort of exclusive thing, uh, it definitely helps build a community sort of aspect to it because people feel like they are invested in the game. They're helping 
support the development of it and they are you know and 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 something that's very good to do is to have a discord server when you start out you have a discord server in the social links so players who've bought access to a game can go in the discord and they can talk about the game they could report bugs um and things like that so would you say that you've learned a lot about game development coding and maybe the wider industry as well and maybe has it helped you guide what you want to do in the in the future or how has it affected uh, maybe your your studies being a roblox developer at such a, a young age so another great thing about roblox is there's very little bar for entry when you want to start when if you want to get into it um something i realized very late on is that roblox development isn't really as far separated from from real game development as uh, as you might think it is like uh you still have the server and client you have you know user interfaces you have to think about user experience you have to think about gameplay sort of loops and and what people are going to be doing in your game uh, you have to think about monetization all of these things are skills you can transfer to to you know the triple a games industry and i think roblox studio is a bit more easy it is a bit easier to use than you know, uh, proper, well, I say, I say proper, I don't want to say that. I mean, Roblox is is a proper game development platform, but when you talk about stuff like Unreal Engine um, and Unity and things, they are slightly more complicated and harder to get to grips with than Roblox Studio. But it's definitely a good gateway into those uh, th- that software if you, want to, if you want to get into it. And I think getting into it at such a young age, it has, it, it has affected my, uh, my studies, definitely, because... Um, the thing is, of course, you only have a certain amount of time every day. And when I first got into development, I was very passionate about about developing. So even though I had school to do, school studies to do, um, and of course, like exams to to study for, often I would get home from school and I would spend the whole afternoon and sometimes uh, all the way into the early hours of the next day playing around with with stuff in studio or making a game or maybe playing Roblox even. Yeah, so my grades definitely did suffer from 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 doing development, but it's not really something I regret because, in a lot of cases, I feel that the things I learned uh, on Roblox have been much more valuable than than what I would have uh, learned at school. Um, in that time, I suppose I still, I mean, I still did my homework and stuff most of the time, um, and you know, if anyone's <laughs> watching, I wouldn't say, you know, just stop studying <laughs> or leave school or something or just or just you know say to your your teachers oh um i didn't do my homework because i was busy developing my roblox game because it's so much more important than school i mean this not necessarily going to work out for you in the end um it's not 100 percent. and i mean i'm still probably going to go to university you still need good grades for that so you know don't put it as the main thing in your life but uh for me it was a big thing for for quite a few years. Uh, it was really the main thing I did with with all of my free time, um, and with some of my school time as well. Um, so yeah, it, it has taken a long time. But there's so many skills you learn from Roblox, such a diverse um, array of different areas. Like you learn about marketing your game, you learn about building things, you learn about making the game fun, you learn about sort of like managing social accounts and and, and getting your game out there and advertising it um you learn about managing your money you know maybe you, you also turn about you learn a lot about time management as well because you can, because you know you need to work on your game um and also mo- motivating yourself to do things you don't maybe really want to do so as i said you know once you've launched a game there will be bugs and there will be things that you don't really want to have to work on and you'll have to spend a lot of time working on those things oftentimes you spend longer working on bugs than you spent making the game in the first place Yeah, definitely. I mean, Roblox development, as good as it sounds, there are definitely some, you know, low points that you can go through. And it's very important as well, like you mentioned, that you don't just, you know, focus entirely on on your Roblox game as as much as you think it will be a success. We've already spoken about failed projects that might not work out. And you've just got to, it's like a marathon, right? You you don't want to try and make something in in really in a real short amount of time because then that way it will it will lack in quality so you want to you want to spread your work out and try and make something that is 
you know, nice and polished, but also don't spend all of your time creating it. We're going to move on now and talk about uh, your latest project that you're working on. It's more targeted to Roblox developers, right? More than uh, players. Uh, it's called R-Track. So it's a, it's a game tracking service for Roblox, an external service. So if you'd just like to tell uh, people listening a little bit more about that and, and what it is. Yeah, so so uh, R-Track surprisingly stands for Roblox Track, very original name. Um, so you can probably imagine what it does from that. Um, so it's really, yeah, it's mainly targeted, targeted at developers, as you said already. Um, and it's a service that tracks public data on games. So it tracks stuff like likes, dislikes, play accounts, visits, also does stuff like tracking the advertisement system. I have stuff tracking the sponsorship system as well on Roblox, um, although it's not publicly available on the website right now. I haven't uh, done the, the sort of front-end stuff for that, like the stuff you see on the website. So I have the data for sponsors, but I haven't uh, done that anyway. Um, yeah, so really it's just about giving developers uh, more of an idea of how their game's doing over time. I mean, I know there's Roblox stats provided by the Roblox website themselves, but they're sort of uh, lacking in detail in a lot of places. Um, and you can't really get good stats on, for example, how much money has this Game Pass made uh, over time? You know, uh, is it at the wrong, is it set at the wrong price or something? I mean, something with our track you can do is uh, I track Game Pass prices and sales. And what that means is that you can have a look at how many sales your Game Pass is getting and you can see at what price they're being sold at. You can, for example, change the price of your Game Pass and then come back the next day and see if it's increased the number of sales you get. And then you can also have a look at how much revenue that Game Pass has made and see if reducing the price, for example, has increased your total revenue. Because while it might increase your sales, maybe that might not make up the, the difference between the two prices. But yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I, I use it myself for that on my own games. Uh, I've changed a few Game Pass prices and things to, to maximize revenue. Because of course, a lower price means more people are going to want to buy it. And in some cases, that might mean, or a higher price even, that might mean you get more revenue overall. And so it's, for, it's really for developers mainly. So how long have you been working on R-Track for? Uh, so I started on it about October last year. Uh, so about four months now, I think. Yeah, I mean, when I started doing it, I spent a lot of, a lot of time every day uh, working on it. Probably I thought there were a lot of 10-hour days. Um, consecutively, I, I think I spent about 200 hours in one month, uh, in October or November, working on the website. Um, I don't really do much. I don't really do any, anywhere near as much work as I, I used to do on the website now. Uh, but it has been a lot of a lot of work for that for that amount of time. And, and what was it that made you want to go into doing this and creating the the, the tracking service? Um, so I think there's been a lot of on the de on the developer forums. Uh, there, I've seen a lot of posts about people complaining about the current Roblox statistics system um, and areas in which it's it's lacking. I know, for example, you can only see in, in spaces of, I think, about five minutes or something it's recorded in, or maybe 15 minutes even. Um, and no one's really sure whether or not the revenue stats are shown before or after tax. Uh, it's There's a lot of very confusing stuff. Sometimes you get random bugs so you're not really sure whether the data is accurate or not because everyone will have the same play account for a certain hour and stuff like that um it's just kind of very messy and i felt like um there was a a need for a service that could uh, reliably and predictably uh track stuff so people weren't um having to try and figure out what, what was going on <laughs> um the other thing is, of course, that Roblox game stats are only visible to the developer who made the game. So if you're making a game and you want to have a look at what your competitors are doing uh, and how, how many players they have and how much money they're making from Game Pass and things like that, then you can have a look at our track and see all those statistics that would usually only be visible to the other game developer. So where are you getting the data for our track from? Are you getting it straight from the Roblox APIs or are you actually... Uh, like scraping the the data for yourself or, or getting it via your your systems um so the data on player count visits and uh and favorites and so and, and ratings as well and all that stuff is got through 
uh, Roblox APIs. Um, I know there is a there's another tracking service called Blade, um, which is made by someone called Integer Underflow. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know for that service, I think they scrape the play accounts and stuff straight from the game pages. Um, I think that's more of a limitation with the Roblox APIs. So it depends on what service you use. But for our track, it's all straight from from Roblox APIs. I know there's a broken API endpoint which will return past data, like 10 minutes out of date or something. I think that's the problem that Blade's trying to fix by by getting it straight off the game pages. Um, but the API I use and the way I do it means that they are the current stats. Currently, it does about 10,000 games every minute for uh, for tracking. Wow. Yeah. And if you look at the popular sort, uh, you can see that there are only about 9,700 games most of the time on Roblox that have players. So tracking the top 10,000 games means that essentially Artrek has uh, data on every game that, that has players um, since, it, since it was launched, so four months ago. Currently, at the, well, I guess at the time of recording, Artrek has data on 2.7 million games, I think. So that means 2.7 million games have had players since October. Um, yeah, so if you have a game that has any players, it's probably going to be... Uh, track's probably going to have data on it. I mean, recently <laughs> I came up with a slogan that we already have data on your game, so why not come and use it? <laughs> Brilliant. So let's just talk a little bit about the membership on the uh, website. If any of the listeners do want to go check out Artrack, by the way, uh, what is the, the link that they can go to? It's uh, live. Okay, so if they head to artrack.live, you can create a free account, I believe, but the different membership options that you offer then, uh, just give the listeners a quick rundown of, of what they can get with a, with a membership. All right, so there's uh, there's two plans. There's a basic plan and a pro plan. On the basic plan, you get all the minute-by-minute data, so stuff that's recorded every minute is the ratings and the play accounts. You get that back five days of data for that. You get all the revenue stats on your game, so all the game passes, all the individual game passes, you get that back for a month. And you also get data that's recorded every 15 minutes on player count and ratings uh, and visit count as well, going back a month. On the basic plan as well, you get to see, for your own games, you can see all the past advertisements you've run. And depending on what day you ran it on, uh, some of them will have things that predict how many impressions the advert got and how much uh, was spent on on the advert so then there's also the pro plan which is ten dollars uh, which is which is double the the basic plan um and that's more like a lot a lot less restricted than the basic plan so you get uh every minute data going back a whole week you get uh every 15 minute player counts and rating data going back for four months you get revenue data four months back as well um and you can see av- advertisements that have been run for every game rather than just your own ones. And there's also included on the pro plan is uh, R-Track Trends, which is like, it takes the top 2,500 games on the platform and it reads the title, the game title and the description of the game to find sort of keywords. So you can search on R-Track Trends for a word and it will show you how many of the top 2,500 games included that in its in their description or their title, depending on which one you choose. There's also coming very soon, although it's not included yet, is a messaging slash notification service. So you'll be able to set a thing, set a condition for your game. So you say like, uh, for example, if the the player count of the game drops by more than 20% in some, in like two minutes or something, then you get a text message or an email to let you know. So that's really just, you know, something suddenly goes wrong. So Roblox suddenly updates something and and something breaks in your game, then you get a mess. You'll get a message on your phone telling you uh, that, so you can quickly go and fix it. That's very cool. I do like the advertisement thing where you can see all the adverts that have been run, not only by your game but all the other games on the platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the trend thing as well is uh, very interesting. Yeah, they're both very interesting to uh, to just sort of play around with. Uh, I do that a lot. And I believe there's also a part of our track as well, which is devoted to uh, creating a better games page. I know that there's been a lot of people on the dev forum that have been critical of the current game page on Roblox and how it's not too great for new developers or, you know, there's been a lot of botted games that have been appearing on the on the games page. And hopefully you, you plan to try and solve this problem with rtrack.social. Is that right? Yeah, so um, one of the great things about 
what our track uh, can do is because it tracks so many games, it tracks all the games with players, and it has such a, a large number of uh, games in its database. I can use all that data to to make sort of predictions about whether or not games are botted. So I can look. I can use the past data on games to look for patterns that would show, so like a sudden jump in likes, for example, in the game, uh, or a sudden jump in dislikes. Sometimes people will um, dislike bot other people's games. Um, could be because they're a competitive game or just because they don't like them or something. But you know, it, it's very hard to, to to know whether a game's botted or not if you're on the website uh, because you can't see all this past data. Of course, uh, R-Track, uh, you need an R-Track membership to to look back uh, far enough to to probably see um, the, the to to see a big jump in likes or a big jump uh, in dislikes. So R-Track Social basically automates the whole process of you opening the game page on R-Track, looking back. You know, for the past four months, and seeing whether or not a game has suddenly hit loads of likes or suddenly got loads of dislikes, um, it does that for pretty much. I think it does it for about a hundred thousand or two hundred thousand games now. Um, have been checked by our track to see whether or not they they show signs of being botted. There's also a a thing called uh, our track adjusted rating, which is basically where if our track thinks a game has been botted, then it will. Uh, try and remove that the effect of that. Um, so if it's been dislike botted, it will essentially take away the amount of dislikes it thinks has been added to the game uh, from the total ratings, and then adjust the rating shown on our track social. So obviously it's not shown on the w- real website. Although you can get the R track extension, which will show the R track adjusted rating on the game page as well. It only uses the past month's rating data, which is something I don't think that many people know, because a lot of people have been asking on the dev forums as well for Roblox to just show the past month's ratings for games. Because, um, of course, when you make a Roblox game, a lot of them will drastically change from when they were first released to when they were to, to now. Uh, people update games constantly, but your game might be held down, sort of, by the original rating so maybe at the beginning of your game wasn't so well made there were some bugs and things um and it was heavily disliked at the, at the beginning but towards the the end you fixed all those bugs it's a really fun game to play now but you're still you've still got all those dislikes you originally had and that's a big problem so that's one of the, the other things about our track adjusted rating is it doesn't factor in old ratings it only uses the past month's ratings on a game you also mentioned the the extension yeah, so you can get um, all the data that's shown on the R-Track social website uh, in a Chrome extension. It's called uh, Roblox Revenue and Rating Stats, and uh, it just says R-Track at the end. And that just shows you the R-Track adjusted rating. It also shows the rank of the game in terms of number of players um, and the total game pass revenue of the game. So it's sort of like combining the existing extensions where they have game pass revenue, um, but it also shows the R-Track stats. And that's available on the the Chrome Web Store. Is it just exclusively on Chrome right now? Yeah, for now it's just on Chrome. Okay. So if you're if you want to get tracking for for your game or other games, you can go to rtrack.live, and then for the games page, you can go to rtrack.social. So it's a completely different website. Yeah, yeah, two different websites: rtrack.social and rtrack.live. Brilliant. So, what else do you have planned for the future of rtrack? I know we heard about the messaging system, the, the SMS or email when your game goes below a certain amount of players or whatever, but what else do you have planned for, for the future? So it's kind of long-term uh, possible uh, thing I might do is an SDK, so uh, something that developers can put in their game, a, a script that they can put in their game, and it will record stats on things that I can't get from the website. So stuff like uh, developer products and developer product sales, just general things that might be unique to developers' games. So it would likely have custom events, a bit like Game Analytics has. So you can say, for example, say this player bought this item in my in-game store or they killed this other player or something. Um, and then it would all be recorded to R-Track, to an R-Track server. And then you can go on R-Track, uh, on the R-Track SDK website. Um, well, it would probably still be the same website. And you can see, you know, summary of the revenue you've made the players all these stats you can't get from the public game page would be shown as well and then you can also look at your custom stuff one of the big things also would be purchase logs as well so there'll be stuff like what time the purchase was made the player's name how much they how much robux they spent on it 
And something that Roblox lacks at the moment is you can't go to your group or your revenue page and really accurately see how much money you've made in the past day because there's stuff like pending sales. And you also can't really see how much money you've even made in the past anything longer than a year because there's a there's a maximum time for the uh, sale summary of a year. So one thing also would be being able to um, see accurate game, uh, game Pass and developer product revenue for different time periods that you can't really see on Roblox. Are you not working on any uh, games at the minute? Is your sole focus just R-Track right now? Yeah, pretty much. So I haven't really done any development on Roblox for a few months. R-Track just takes a lot of time to do. I've also got A-Levels coming up in a, in a couple of months, so probably going to start focusing on that a bit more. Um, but after that, I think I'll probably start doing a lot more stuff to do with R-Track uh, in the summer holidays, and hopefully there's a lot of big stuff to come. Well, good luck with the exams and all the best with R-Track and everything else that you do in the future. Thank you for having me. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe or follow the podcast to make sure you don't miss any of our future instalments. And why not leave us a voice message? Bantech will listen to it in a future episode and answer any questions. Use the Anchor app or find instructions to submit a clip manually on the Bantech Systems website. Thank you to our special guest, Steady On, for joining me today. You can find him on Roblox for links to their social profiles, and you can also check out his Roblox game tracking service at rtrack.live. Be sure to fill out the guest application if you'd like to feature on a future episode. You can find it at bantech.systems forward slash btb hyphen guest. Link will also be in the description of the podcast. Beyond the Blocks is brought to you by Bantech Systems, a development studio creating interactive games, systems and solutions on Roblox. Find Bantech's profile on Roblox and click through to the Bantech Systems group for more information. Don't forget you can listen to any episode of Beyond the Blocks on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts and many other popular listening platforms. You'll also find it on the Bantech Systems YouTube channel. Thank you for listening and don't forget to tune in to the next episode of Beyond the Blocks.